Just about the first thing anyone new to the neighborhood learned was to avoid Bud Fillimore, cantankerous, territorial, and fueled by what seemed to be a deep-seated hatred for just about everything. He was the kind of man that childhood nightmares were made of. Although he'd only lived there for a few months longer than us, by the time my family moved in across the street from the Fillimore house, his reputation was already firmly established. When other neighbors came by with their cookies and casseroles to welcome us and saw me and my brother, just nine and eleven, they'd pull my parents aside and offer hushed warnings. Keep them away from that nasty little man across the way, Mrs. Devon said. He can't stand children. My son, Bill, swears Bud tried to run him down in his car, Mr. Crane said. He'll look for any excuse to yell at them. He says the most terrible things, Mrs. Paul said. My parents thank them, but I don't think they quite believe them. My mom especially wasn't fond of gossip, and she tried to take such rumors with a grain of salt until she could make her own decisions. She didn't have to wait long. My older brother, Scotty, and I were outside tossing a baseball back and forth one Saturday morning when Scotty tossed it too hard and high. It sailed over my head, bounced in the street, and rolled to a stop at the very edge of Mr. Bar Fillimore's yard. Both of us had overheard our neighbor's warnings and were hesitant to even look at the house, much less approach it. Go get it, Liz, Scotty said, nudging my shoulder. But you threw it, I replied. So? You missed it. I couldn't reach it. My whining had no effect. He pushed me towards the road, and after checking both ways, I began to creep across towards our ball. I had almost reached it. I just had to take a couple more steps, and it would have been within my grasp when the front door of the house flew open. What the hell are you doing? A stout man with thin, greying hair came bursting outside and stomped across his lawn towards me. And my ball, I tried to say, pointing to it. You brats throwing things at my house? Think it would be funny to break a window? And no, I glanced over my shoulder to see Scotty half-poised to run inside and whimpered. Get out of here, Mr. Fillimore snapped. Can I just... No. Before I could react, he'd scooped up the baseball, which had barely been touching his grass, and stormed back inside. The whole front of his house seemed to shake with the force of his slammed door. It was the first of what would be many run-ins with everyone's least favorite neighbor. Our parents tried to talk to him about his behavior, but he just told them to keep their noisy little shits off his lawn and away from his house if we didn't want trouble. Dad thought about calling the cops on him, but his mom became fond of saying, there was no law against being rude, so we were told to just try and be more careful. He must not have always been such a bull, Mom said over dinner about a month after we'd moved in. He's married, you know. Dad scoffed at the idea. Oh yeah? How do you know? Dolores Devon was by again for a chat, and it came up. Bud wears a ring, and she said she sees Mrs. Wilkes Fillimore looking out the windows from time to time, but the poor woman never comes outside. She thinks she heard Bud say it was cancer once. Poor lady, sick and married to that, Dad said. Terrible, isn't it? But it does explain a bit about him. He's just trying to keep things quiet and peaceful around his house. Yeah, sure, Scotty muttered and Mom frowned at him. He's probably very sad and lashes out without meaning to. He's an asshole, Scotty said. Language, Dad warned. But yeah, he is. Whatever his reasoning... We all agreed it would be best to just try and avoid Bud Fillimore. 
Scotty and I were extra careful to keep all of our toys well within the confines of our own yard when we played outside. I also couldn't help but keep a wary eye on the house across the street, just in case he decided to be extra crazy and we had to run for it. That's when I started to notice Mrs. Fillimore. Almost every time Scotty and I were out and I happened to glance at their house, I would see a tall, slender figure outlined behind the sheer curtains in one of the upstairs windows. While I couldn't get a very good look at her, I figured it couldn't be anyone but the missus, Mr. Fillimore didn't have anyone else. She never banged on the window or shouted at us like her husband. She'd just stand there, watching us. I like to imagine that she was a nice lady, a quiet neighbor who just enjoyed seeing kids at play. I remembered my mom saying Mrs. Fillimore was sick, and I felt sorry that she was trapped in her house with her horrible husband, so I tried to be nice and smile and wave once. Just once. Mr. Fillimore appeared on his front stoop and yelled at me for being a pest until I retreated inside. When I peeked out the living room window later, Mrs. Fillimore wasn't in her usual spot anymore. Eventually we got used to Mr. Fillimore glowering at us as he drove slowly past, his short temper and his loud voice. It was such a regular thing that our fear turned to caution turned eye-rolling dismissiveness. Bud doesn't own the street. You kids go out and be kids, and if he has a problem with it, I'll deal with him, Dad said. After that, we started to be a little less careful with our things and a little more free with our laughter. We lost a few balls to the Fillimore yard, one or two frisbees, but nothing we really cared too much about. Nothing until Scotty's remote-controlled helicopter. It had been a birthday present, and we were both eager to try it out. As soon as we finished supper, we raced out to the front lawn, where Scotty prepared for the helicopter's first flight. Under my brother's inexperienced and clumsy guidance, the helicopter lifted slowly from the ground and staggered drunkenly through the air. In his excitement to keep it aloft, Scotty didn't even realize it was heading right for Fillimore's yard until it was too late. Scotty, I tugged at his arm to try and turn it off course, but it only made things worse. The little helicopter took a nosedive straight into the hedges under Mr. Fillimore's bay window. Scotty frantically wiggled the controls, but the helicopter's blade was stuck fast in the thick greenery. As if he'd been waiting for us to slip up, the front door was flung open and he practically pounced on the toy. What have I told you? he bellowed. Before we could argue, he had already disappeared back into his house. Upstairs, the curtain fluttered just so, and I knew Mrs. Fillimore was watching. I wanted to call up to her and ask her to get the helicopter back, but Scotty grabbed my wrist and dragged me behind him to find Mom and Dad. When our parents went over later, he refused to come to the door. Don't worry, kids, they assured us. Next time we see him, we'll sit down and have a real discussion about this. That wasn't enough for Scotty, though. I followed him up to his room and sat on the end of his bed while he paced back and forth while ranting about how unfair it all was. He was fuming and furious, and he wanted his birthday present back now. But how? I asked. He paused, his gaze sliding to his window and the house beyond. We're going to take it. It was a childish, simple, stupid plan with no thought to consequence or punishment. We were going to break into the Fillimore house and get all of our things back. We'll do it when he goes out next. I can figure out how to get the lock open. It can't be that hard. Then we just have to find our stuff. What about Mrs. Fillimore? She never leaves. You can distract her or something, I don't know. 
We'll figure it out. I don't know, Scotty, I said uneasily. I didn't want to disrupt a poor, sick lady for a few toys. Don't worry, we'll just be in and out. She probably won't even notice we're there. I doubted that, but I had a hard time saying no to my big brother. Scotty put his plan into action the very next afternoon. We were playing a game of horse in the driveway when Mr. Fillimore's garage opened and his car chugged to life. He was wearing his customary scowl as he drove by. The moment he turned the corner, Scotty chucked our basketball off to the side and bolted across the street. I checked to see if Mrs. Fillimore was in her window, and when I saw no sign of her, I followed. Scotty's idea of getting the lock open turned out to be using a small rock to break the window pane on the door above the latch. It was something he'd seen in a movie or something. Immediately I had images of flashing red and blue lights and handcuffs and my stomach turned sharply, but my brother whispered that it would be fine. He can't prove it was us. Everyone on the street hates him. He sounded so confident that all I could do was nod. Scotty reached carefully through the broken glass, careful not to cut himself, and found the deadbolt. It clicked out of place and he pushed the door open, letting us into Mr. Fillmore's house. I clung to the back of Scotty's shirt as we tiptoed across the kitchen. It was spotless, obsessively so, and smelled of cleaning supplies. Every window had something tacked over it, old blankets and towels, blocking out the bright afternoon sun and casting the room into a gloomy darkness that made the room seem small and oppressive. I swallowed hard and forced myself to follow Scotty. Every room was the same, fastidiously clean, organized, and shrouded in shadows. The bay window that I knew he spied on us from had a little hole cut into the heavy velveteen material, just big enough for someone to see out of. I could just picture him sitting on his plastic-covered couch, watching us, waiting for us to get too close. It was enough to make me shudder. We cleared the hole downstairs pretty quickly, but there was no sign of our things. Shit, Scotty hissed. He must keep it upstairs. But Mrs. Fillimore... Just stay close and stay quiet, okay? I nodded, too nervous to say anything else anyway. We'd only gotten up a few steps when the floorboards on the second floor creaked. Scotty immediately pressed himself against the wall and motioned for me to do the same. We listened to the soft padding of footsteps crossing from one room to another. Scotty, I whispered, grabbing at his sleeve with both hands, let's just go. No, he went too far this time. I'm going to get my helicopter. Door hinges squeaked from somewhere upstairs, and the footsteps stopped. Scotty pulled his arm from me and scampered up the remaining steps. Reluctantly, I went up too. We found a guest bedroom first. It was all muted colors and magazine-quality furniture, void of any warmth or personality. Like it was just set up for show, never intended for use. At least it was a bit brighter up there. The windows only had a few layers of sheer curtains over them. Enough to obscure visibility, but still let in light. The second room was obviously Mr. Fillimore's. It was the most lived-in looking room of them all, and even then that was only because there were some pictures hanging on the walls and some personal items on the nightstand. The bed was meticulously made, all the clothing, most of which was masculine, hung neatly in the closet. There wasn't even any stray hairs in the brush on the vanity. I wondered how someone could live in such a cold, lifeless house. There was only one room left upstairs, the one Mrs. Mary Philemon must have gone into. Its door stood half open. Scotty and I traded a look, 
his determined mind silently pleading with him to go. He took a step towards the door. I shook my head and grabbed at the back of his shirt again. He brushed me off and placed the flat of his hand on the door, pushing it open slowly. Inside, the room was almost empty except for a large vanity against one wall. A framed wedding picture was on it, and I recognized Mr. Fillimore despite being younger and thinner. In front of the vanity, posed on a tall stool, was a mannequin. She was wearing what I thought of as a 50s housewife dress, white with little pink and green flowers all over it, a string of pearls, and a blonde wig carefully combed back into a bun. Her featureless face was fixed on the mirror in front of her. Scotty's brow wrinkled, showing the same confusion as I'd felt. We'd both heard Mrs. Fillimore walk to this room, but there was no one there. Let's just go, I begged, a cold sweat starting to trickle down the back of my neck. Scotty shifted his weight, obviously torn, and the floorboard beneath his feet groaned. The mannequin's head turned sharply towards us. Scotty leapt back with a yelp, an arm thrown out protectively in front of me. Liz, his voice was trembling, run. I stumbled back down the hall on legs that didn't want to work. I could heard Scotty stomping along behind me and behind him, a rapid skittering. We skid at the top of the stairs, and I grabbed the railing to keep from falling headlong down the steps. While I righted myself, I dared to glance back down the hallway. It was empty. Where did G? Something thudded against the ceiling. We both looked up and screamed. The mannequin was crawling, spider-like, over our heads. She wrenched her head completely around, turning her blank face towards us and flitted towards the wall. She started to descend, the whole time facing us. I was still screaming when Scotty hooked his arm around my waist and hauled me down the steps. We crashed at the landing, tripping over one another, and we could hear the click of fiberglass on wood as she pursued us. I was crying, scrambling on my hands and knees across the floor, and my brother was shouting for me to get up to go. He grabbed the back of my shirt and practically threw me down the hall. And then Scotty was shrieking. I spun. The mannequin was crouched on the last step, one arm outstretched. She had her fingers wrapped around Scotty's ankle. They were tightening, tightening, until his bones started to crunch beneath her grip. He kicked at her with his other leg, but it did nothing. She started to drag him back towards the stairs. Scotty, I screamed, but before I could move, he looked up at me and shook his head furiously. Liz, he could barely get the word out through the fear and pain that masked his face. Run. I wanted to stay. I wanted to grab his hand and pull with all my might and drag him out of that house with me. But he shouted again, run, run, over and over until the words became a garbled mess of howling, terrified cries that chased me out the same door we'd come in through. It was the last time I ever saw my big brother. No trace of Scotty was ever found. My parents searched, police searched, there were dogs and special agents and tons of time, money and energy were put into trying to find him. But none of it mattered. It was as if he had simply vanished. Bud Fillimore wasn't a suspect very long. With no evidence and no history of any kind of criminal record, he was let go. Scotty was dubbed a missing child, reduced to a single box of paperwork that was all too soon moved to the cold case stacks. No one believed me when I told them what really happened. They all said Scotty must have been kidnapped on our way back from Mr. Fillimore's house, and I was too young to really understand it, that I had gotten confused and, in my fear, made up some story using the scary thing I just encountered. Mr. 
Fillimore's mannequin belonged to his late wife, Sharon. He kept it after she passed because it reminded him of her. Sometimes he'd move it around, put it in a window, but it wasn't alive. You understand that, right, Liz? My therapist was fond of asking. I told her what she wanted to hear, even if I knew it was a lie. The adults preferred it that way. It was easier for all of us. Maybe that was why I never showed anyone the note that had been left taped to our door, typed and anonymous, that just said, I tried to keep you away. I didn't think it would have changed anything. I knew, though, and I never doubted myself or the fact that Scotty had sacrificed himself for me, and up until Mr. Fillimore packed up and moved a few years later, I would sit in my brother's room and I would stare out the window at his house. I would watch the second-story window, waiting for the telltale dark figure to appear behind the curtains, waiting for the quiet neighbor that everyone said didn't exist. I'm a 19 female and moved back into my mother's house late last year. I have a neighbor of 50-ish or 60-ish male who I have caught watching me almost every day for the past few months now, maybe since January or February. The way our houses are laid out is a little confusing. My backyard ends on the side of his house and yard, so the back of my house is pointed to the side of his. My room's window faces the back on ground level, so I have a direct view of the side of his property. I hope this made sense. What he will do is stand outside when he smokes, and the whole time his body will be facing my direction. When I first started noticing it, I shrugged it off as in looking at the sky or mountains behind my house, or maybe he was zoned out. But after a while, I noticed that he didn't try to look in any other direction when I'm in my room. Soon, it was just about every day I could count on seeing him outside looking into my window or yard. I was getting sick of it. I started by hiding when I would see him, then shutting the blinds on him and opening them up after he left, then staring back at him, then flipping him off. He knew I had noticed, now he would scurry away behind the corner of his house when I protested. At this point, he knows I've seen him multiple times and don't like him. Now, yesterday was different. I had taken the screen out of my window so that my cats could come in and out as they please one has abandonment issues and won't go outside without someone close so now seeing me through my window was even easier. My younger brother was in the back working on our garden and I was leaning out the window chatting with him. I looked up and saw the guy, half hidden behind his house, facing right toward me. My annoyance and anger had reached a breaking point. I yelled at him across both properties to stop staring and he scurried away behind his little corner. My brother and I continued our conversation as it seemed he got the hint. I was wrong. I kept an eye out for him in that corner. I saw him again, this time just the top of his head and eyes as he concealed his body behind his house and leaned as far as he could. My blood ran cold. This guy, who I don't even know and is three times my age, is so desperate to just look at me that he can't stop even after being yelled at. I yelled again, and he hit again, not saying a word. I was trying to wrap up the conversation between me and my brother so I could shut my window and hide. Once again, I see him, just his head and eyes, staring. I screamed this time and then slammed my window. He cowered off. I wasn't planning on making this post until I saw him doing it again today. My window was shut, and he ran off before I could yell again. I feel sick to my stomach. He won't get the hint. I don't know what to do. I like keeping my blinds open during the day since I keep cacti in my room that need light. 
Not to mention the lights in my room don't work so I have to use sunlight anyway. I shouldn't have to change my routine because of a creep. But I don't think I can report him to the police because he is staying on his property. And I don't know if I can legally record him if he's in his yard. I want to knock on his door and tell his wife, but my mom advised me against that. I don't think me giving him a stern talk will do anything other than fuel whatever fantasies he might have of me. It could be dangerous too. This situation is starting to affect my mental health. I'll wake up in the middle of the night convinced someone is right outside looking at me. I can't even change my clothes in my own room anymore because I feel like he's already caught a peek. I don't think ignoring him is an option I can continue. Is there even a way I can help my situation? Update. Oh my god, I am shaking. He was outside shirtless smoking a cigarette. He could tell I saw him. He scurried away and then came back. I grabbed my camera on Snapchat. I just screamed at him and threatened to call the cops and he argued back. I think I got the recording but my phone is so old and laggy that I can't tell if it's saved. I called my mom and told her I was calling the cops. She told me she would come home and talk to me about it before we do. She was brief. I think I am going to head to a friend's house until my mom gets home, so I won't be able to respond to comments very well. Wish me luck. Another update. Mom called again before I left to my friends and allowed me to explain the situation further. She thought I was outside when this happened, I guess, which is why she wasn't urgent. She's told me to stay home and get the house ready for the cops, and that I can go ahead and call them now. Final update. So I called the cops, an officer came over, and I showed him from my room where the neighbor stands outside. Basically, he told me to get a curtain, and that since he is on his property, he's technically allowed to stand and look in any direction he wants, and it's just unfortunate my window is easy to see into. He can't tell him to not face my house when he smokes outside. I asked the officer to suggest he smokes on the other side of his house or on the front porch, and he said he would talk to him but doesn't expect much to happen. I told the officer I felt it was an invasion of privacy and that this has been occurring for months that I should be able to live in my room and not be watched. Basically, I guess he has the right to look into my room as long as he is in his yard, and I can't do anything about it legally unless there is solid evidence of intention. I also found out my mom shut off the cameras because it was blowing up her phone too much. If I had a recording of yesterday where he had peeked around the corner, I could have proved intent. Guess I'm out of luck. Me 28 female and my significant other 28 male have lived in our townhouse for three years. On the very first day we moved in, our neighbors from across the way introduced themselves. They are empty nesters in their late fifties, very warm and welcoming immediately, told us if we need anything to let them know, all that stuff. One of the first things the wife will call her ass said to us upon meeting was, I'm really into nature, so I look outside to look at the wildlife a lot, that's also why we have cameras facing the street. We didn't think too much of it at the time, but now looking back this should have really freaked us out especially considering we live in suburbia where the closest thing to nature is a squirrel or a rouge coyote. The husband works from home, and he's not the issue in this situation. It's the wife. We'll call Sess is disabled, can't drive, and is a hermit. They never leaves the house, literally home 24-7.
We learned almost immediately that looking at nature was actually code for being an extremely nosy neighbor that borderlines being a peeping Tom. I included a shitty drawing on how the layout of our townhouses are because it's very important to this. Our places are reverse mirrors of the other house across a narrow street, close enough where I could throw a rock and almost hit their house. Both houses are on the second story with garages underneath, so clear view of each other. We only have windows on the side facing their house, as the other side shares a wall with another neighbor. S is stationed primarily on the couch in front of their patio door 24-7. If anything happens outside, she literally runs to the patio window and stares out with her face pressed to the glass. Doesn't matter if it's a car, a neighbor walking their dog, or a delivery truck, she is always there, watching. We kind of brushed it off at first that she's just bored and probably stir-crazy being at home constantly. But over time I started getting really annoyed whereas my significant other brushed it off and said she's harmless. But the closer we got to these neighbors the worse it's gotten and the more creeped out I've become. I say close in quotes because all that means is that S added me on Facebook and we exchanged numbers as she's offered to let our guests park in her driveway and to let us know if her camera spots a coyote since we have a little dog. Like most boomers, she comments and likes every single thing I post on Facebook almost immediately. Okay, not a huge deal, whatever. But I'll post a vacation pic and she'll comment, makes sense why you're not home, or a picture of us outside, and she'll say, oh, that's why you were out there. Just like, weird shit. This next part may not be really important to the story, but to me emphasizes a boundary crossing. A few months after we moved in, it's messaged me on Facebook that the place her and her husband go camping every summer is actually a nudist camping ground. It's called Ponderosa Sun Club. For anyone curious, she sent the link and said, let me know what you think. S also casually brought up in a conversation once that they do tasteful boudoir photo shoots pretty early on into meeting them as well. Not judging, they can do what they want. But it rubbed me wrong that she told me as our relationship isn't like that. We still aren't sure what she meant by let me know what you think. If it was to see if we were accepting and wouldn't judge, or if we were interested. To be frank, they are a kooky, nerdy, frumpy couple in their late 50s. My significant other and I are decently good-looking people. The few friends we told about this joked and said maybe they have the hots for us. She also primarily wears a t-shirt only that barely falls past her butt. But back to the peeping Tom aspect. Like I said, she's constantly looking out the window. I can park my car in the street illegally for a few seconds to grab something, and she'll text me before I can even get inside that I can use her parking spot if need be. She'll text me if I'm home from work on a day. I usually work to ask if I'm okay. She watches us all day put up our Christmas lights, or if I'm vacuuming my car in the driveway. She will wait until I'm outside watering my plants to run out and water hers at the same time, too. We can't even enjoy our patio because she just stares at us. The. Whole. Time. The biggest thing that really sucks is that I'm a houseplant hobbyist, and I was so excited to move here as the windows are all south-facing, which is wonderful for my plants. But if I keep the blinds open, it gives her full view of our place. We put up a sticker privacy glass on our bedroom windows so we could at least enjoy opening the blinds in the morning. Her one camera literally sits on a window sill just facing our house. Last winter, I found that she had a hidden nature camera by where we always walk our dog on public property, 
and I got so mad that I flicked it off and buried it in snow. Then I noticed a few days later the windowsill camera was changed to turn down towards the street, but now it's back on our house for F.S. sake. When I looked at our houses on Google Street View, you can literally see her standing in the window staring at the Google car. Like she's just always there. I've been getting more and more furious about this and feel like a spectacle in my own goddamn house. The final straw was yesterday when my significant other and I pulled in the driveway. I walked immediately into the house with back facing their house the whole time. I was wearing a mask because I felt sick. Before I could even walk up the stairs, this texted me asking what was wrong and if I needed anything like soup or ibuprofen. I just burst into tears. I feel so violated in my own home and I don't know how to set a boundary with her or that it's even possible. My significant other and I even hypothesize that maybe is telling us about her nature watching in the first few sentences of us meeting was because something happened in the past of one of the previous tenants getting pissed at her being so nosy. They own their townhouse and we just rent ours. I love our place. Rent is affordable, location is great, everything. Besides her. I genuinely don't know what to do or what to even say to her without it being awkward. It really doesn't help that at the end of the day she is very kind. One time they were at the nudist colony so I was getting her mail and she gave me a $100 visa gift card as a thank you. Her husband has jumped my car when my battery died. She's gifted me flowers for my patio. Her kindness has prevented me from blowing up at her, but I'm at my wits end and I really don't want to move. This happened last year, during the summer, and isn't as creepy as most stories, but it bothers me. My husband and I, 23 female, had just bought a house across from where I grew up. This neighborhood is mostly retirees and young parents, so a super safe and calm neighborhood. My neighbors live on the top level of a split-level duplex directly behind me, and from their balcony they can see directly into my backyard and garden. Because it was summer, and that is my season, I was constantly in the backyard doing yard work, gardening, soaking up the summer in the hammock, playing with the pups, etc. My husband noticed any time I went out back the neighbors, now ex-husband 3742 would come on the porch with his son 1315. I noticed they'd come out and stay out longer if I was wearing shorts or a tank top. Again it's summer, and I live in the desert so they were almost constantly on the balcony just standing and staring into my yard. It was really unusual as they were normally inside all day and would only come out when I did. It got to the point I went over one day when they were gone and talked to the wife great lady, love her and told her I was sick of not being able to enjoy my yard because her husband and son were watching me. I eventually quit going out back even at night and they stopped. Come to find out he had been peeping on other women in the neighborhood as well, and the wife kicked him to the curb. I live in a quiet neighborhood in the countryside. Not much happens here, but recently I installed the Ring Doorbell app. It allows me to see who's at my front door and a bit of my front yard. I got it mostly to spot animals like deer, raccoons, and maybe even bears that live around here. In the first few weeks after I put it up, not much happened. I saw a few animals now and then. However, one night, I woke up around 3 o'clock in the morning. I didn't know why I woke up until I checked my phone to see the time and noticed a message from the Ring app. It said something had moved in front of the camera. 
I opened the app, thinking I'd see a deer or something, but what I actually saw was unbelievable. There were about ten guys standing outside my front door in the yard, about thirty feet away. I couldn't believe my eyes and had to look again. I didn't know these guys or why they were in my yard. It was one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen. I walked quietly from my bedroom to the living room, then peeked out of the window. The guys were all lined up, facing my house, and they had blank expressions. It was hard to see them clearly in the dark. Most of them had jackets on, and they weren't doing much. There was just a bit of light from my front door, so I could see them a little. I stayed where they couldn't see me and didn't know what to do. I just watched them, thinking about whether to go outside or call the police. I knew there were a bunch of them and only one of me, so if they wanted trouble, I'd be in trouble. I tried to come up with a good reason for why they were there, but I couldn't think of one. I stayed scared for about 20 minutes, though it felt much longer. The men didn't really move much during that time, but finally, one of the guys turned around, and all of them went into the woods next to my yard. I stayed awake for another hour, keeping an eye on my windows and the ring app. Eventually, I managed to fall asleep again. I still can't stop thinking about what happened that night, but it always gives me the shivers when I remember it.